And uh, this morning, what I want to do is focus our attention on our missions theme. If you could all just kind of turn around and look at that uh, He is Worthy sign back there. It's a great big uh, banner. That is our missions theme this year. He is Worthy, and it's taken from Revelation chapter 5. And I'm going to preach this morning on He is Worthy. I know we know that. We sing it to Him. We tell Him, and yet we're going to talk about why He is worthy and really why we emphasize at this church missions as we do. So if you brought your Bibles, turn to Revelation chapter 5. I wanted to uh, quickly say, I know they're not here today. He's preaching somewhere else, but Pastor Jim Hill, who filled in for me last Wednesday night, uh, I was unable to be here because of some back issues, still struggling a little bit with that. So appreciate your prayers for that. But... uh, um, I'm thankful for those, Jim and others, that can just fill in. We give him a call saying, hey, are you able to do this? Uh, and he said yes, and so thank you, Jim, if you're listening, for doing that. Um, Revelation chapter 5, verses 1 through 14. Then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne, him being God. Chapter 4 sees God on his throne in Revelation 4. But in his hand, right hand, was a scroll, verse 1, with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. And John says, when he had this vision, When he saw what he saw, I wept and I wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. And then one of the elders said to me, do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing in the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. He had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. He came and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb. Each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood... You purchased men for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. You made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. Then I looked, verse 11, and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands, and 10,000 times 10,000. And they encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders, and in a loud voice they sang, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth 
and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them singing to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. Jesus Christ, Amen. Jesus Christ is worthy. He and He alone is worthy. Now, we just covered this passage a month ago on our Wednesday night Bible study. And by the way, this Wednesday we'll get into the mighty angel, Revelation 9, and the two witnesses in Revelation 10 as we continue to look at the seven trumpets, trumpets especially, trumpets 5 and 6. I did have my lesson ready to go last Wednesday, actually my outline ready to go on Monday, but was unable to teach that, so we'll pick that up this Wednesday. But Revelation chapter 5 we've covered a month ago, so I won't go into detail on that passage. Just a side note, if you missed that study and the teaching from Revelation 5 on February 1, it is lesson number 18 on our website underneath resources under sermons. Everything we've taught on Revelation thus far on Wednesday night since last September is now re- is, is recorded and is on our uh, church website page. But I'm here to tell you that Jesus Christ is worthy. Why? Because He and He alone died to purchase people from, as it says, from every tribe and language and people and nation. Honestly, this is why Every year we emphasize missions and have an annual missions convention is to remind us as his church what his purpose is. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. And if that was the business he was in, then we as his followers need to be in the same business and that is the redemption business. Now, last Sunday I was elated and I'm trying to figure out a better word to put there, but looking at our annual business meeting and the reports that went out, that Baseline Christian Fellowship's missions giving last year increased by over $17,000. Thank you, church. Thank God. Thank God. Because when I saw that, and I didn't, I mean, I, I had it, but didn't look at it until last Sunday, like, you know, like it is of most of us, but... but uh, I thought, God, thank you, because that means we're moving in the right direction. It's the best missions year giving of this church to record. And it's also, honestly, why we receive faith promises and why we'll have a faith promise emphasis service next Sunday morning. It's why we have Speed the Light chili dinners and chili feeds and fundraisers. It's why we pass the bags around or the buckets around for BGMC giving. It's why we have almsgiving and why we have missionaries, honestly, that come uh, every, you know, as often as we can schedule them because I want to keep before this church, before us, the whole heartbeat of God, and that is world evangelization. Personally, I love missions. I love what it does for the individual, and I love what it does for the church. Now, here are some of the latest statistics on world missions by the Assemblies of God. For example, one new believer 
is added every 54 seconds. Rounding that up to a minute, if we preach for two hours today, I won't, but if I did 120 minutes, that'd be 120 souls. I mean, for one hour, uh, you know, uh, 60 souls. So one new believer is added every 54 seconds worldwide. One new church is planted every 81 minutes. And then one new minister is added and listed every 76 minutes. All that through the world missions ministry of the Assemblies of God worldwide. Right now, the Assemblies of God has over 2,640 full-time missionaries and associates and over 1,525 short-term personal uh, personnel ministering around the world. What I'm saying is missions is big. God calls people uh, throughout the U.S. and around the world, actually, to serve as missionaries, but those missionaries are only able to fulfill God's call as God also calls you and me to give to send them. How shall they preach unless they are sent? And so we are descending, uh, uh, enabling them to be, to be missionaries around the world. Now, on a monthly basis, uh, Baseline Christian Fellowship right now is supporting, because we've had a few that have retired, but we are currently supporting 27 missionaries or missionary uh, organizations a month. We just raised their, the mission support across the board. We were giving $75 a month. Now we are giving $100 a month to every missionary, and we've been getting some thank you notes from the missionaries saying, saying thank you for the increase, because we all know that just as our budgets are being stretched because of inflation, so are missionaries' budgets as well. And so we want to be a blessing to them in, in return. Uh, but these are missionaries and ministries around the globe, as well as here in America, that are having an impact on the people uh, they are called to reach, that we are called to reach as well. And so what I want to do this morning is talk to you about missions and the church's calling to fulfill the Great Commission. Before I go any further, I just wanted to say happy birthday to Hope. Just wanted to embarrass you one more time, but a happy birthday today is her birthday. So why do we support? Why do we believe in missions and missionaries? Uh, we've, we've heard before that, that we were made for a mission. In other words, we, we're, we're either a mission field or we're a missionary. You see, God wants the people that, that are Christ followers, God wants us to have a ministry in the body of Christ, but as well as a mission in the world. Your ministry is your service to believers. Your mission is your service to unbelievers. This year, uh, if you haven't heard, you heard a little bit about this, you see the banner up there that we had made, but we are, as a fellowship, as a church, we are joining with the Arizona Ministry Network, emphasizing our partnership with with Botswana Assemblies of God in, in Botswana. So we are kind of adopting the Botswana for Jesus. We are em emphasizing our partnership with them. So Botswana, be praying about what God would have you do and give in a special love offering. We would like next week when our, our district superintendent, Pastor Steve Harris, is with us to uh, receive a love offering for Botswana and to help then with the building of, of uh, Bible colleges, uh, buying property, uh, the goal originally was like $600,000 for the whole state of Arizona to, 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 to be challenged with that, and that's gone up a little bit, but uh, 
uh, also building tabernacles, uh, digging wells, and so really kind of hands-on uh, with that. Um, there's another video available. I'm not sure what Pastor Harris is going to share next week for Botswana. Uh, he was going to be here this weekend, but right now he is in Cuba preaching and part of a missions trip there, so excited for next week. Uh, but uh, we'll, we'll talk more about Botswana at the end. And so really, why, why do we go about doing this? Why do we have a missions emphasis every year? Why evangelize the world? Well, let me give you a few biblical reasons for why we're doing what we're doing. So first of all, uh, how many know that Jesus Christ has commanded us to go into all the world and preach the good news? All right, that's point number one. Uh, the basis for worldwide missions is that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, died for people everywhere. Every tribe and nation and tongue and language. You know, God's love is worldwide. We know John 3, 16, for God so loved what the world. God loves people everywhere. I was reading an article about uh, Billy Graham, the late Billy Graham. And it was when he first went to uh, L.A. to do revival services. And he had prepared for those revival services ten sermons. And, and yet he, he, he ended up being there for for two months, for eight weeks, more than ten sermons. And someone else chimed in and said, well, in reality, Billy Graham only had one sermon, and that was for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. I mean, he preached it every time, and that, that's great. I mean, that's what it's about. Even from our passage this morning in Revelation 5, 9, with the blood of his son, he purchased men for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And so as you and I obey the Great Commission, we are simply increasing the capacity of the human race to give praise and worship to our King of Kings and our Lord of Lords. The Westminster Catechism answers the question, what is the chief end of man with this reply? The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. And so as we are obedient to do what God's called us to do, as we are obedient in fulfilling the Great Commission, we want to bring God glory and honor from every tribe, nation, people, and language. Do you realize this morning that a missionary is simply a person on a mission? I'm a missionary, and you're a missionary if you're on a mission. And we should be on mission. Do you realize that Jesus Christ was on mission? He was a missionary and then also, according to his word, we're to be conformed to his image. And here's what Jesus told us to do. Mark 16, 15, Jesus said to them, go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. Mark 16, 15. And then we have Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Also, the Great Commission, Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And so with those words, Jesus made it very clear exactly what his disciples were to do. These words were really the capstone of his three and a half years of ministry. Then he makes this all-powerful claim. All authority 
has been given to me. You know, in heaven and on earth, it's been given to me. But then Jesus makes this transitional connective shift. He says, and I'm giving it to you. Now you go. You guys go. It's as if Christ was saying, okay, disciples, okay, church, you go. You present to your generation everything I've taught you, lived and died for. You go and do it now. And that is still upon the church today. And they did. I mean, those words ignited a passion within the hearts of the disciples that would cause them ultimately to suffer persecution. And for many of them, most of them martyrdom. Uh, but it also caused them to turn their world, uh, uh, not upside down, but right side up. Within 30 years of the ascension of Jesus Christ, the gospel spread from Jerusalem to the Indian subcontinent on the east and to Spain on the west. Within four centuries, the term Roman Empire would be replaced by Christendom. Think about that. They were doing their job. You see, the Great Commission wasn't just an afterthought in the heart of God. It was the culmination of God's plan for mankind, for the church. It was a look into God's eternal playbook for humanity. It was the game plan that God would fulfill his desire that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Over the years, I've had individuals say something to the effect, well, Pastor Brian, I understand that, but really being involved in missions and world evangelization is not for me. When I hear that, and I've heard it, I honestly, sincerely question their relationship with God. Because if you have God's heart, you'll be concerned about where people are going to spend eternity, period. In other words, if you consider yourself a Christian, a believer, a Christ follower, then you must also consider yourself to be his disciple, no less called, no less chosen than the very first 12 disciples. And as a disciple, you have been bought with a price. That is the precious blood of Jesus. Therefore, you and I are not our own. We belong to him, and we ought to be on mission to do what he's called us to do. And the church said, amen. All right. I talked about this last week from Isaiah chapter 6 when, when we see God for who God is and then we see ourselves for who we are. In other words, we acknowledge our sins so we can experience His forgiveness. But then God says, who will I send? Who will go for me? Remember Isaiah, here, here am I, send me. You know, And I said last week, worshiping God and working for God go hand in hand. In other words, you can't worship God and ignore people. You can't worship God and ignore people. And because when God gets a hold of your heart, you give him permission to do what he wants to do in your life and through your life. And you say, Lord, as your disciple, I will be about your business. And Jesus, you came to seek and save the lost. And so your business needs to become my business. Friends, Jesus' command is definite and it's clear and it's his great mandate and he has not stuttered.
All right. His great commission is to the soldiers in his holy army. Therefore, we get involved in missions, in missions giving, in missions sending, because our great commander-in-chief has commanded us to go. And Jesus, you'll recall, even said, whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. You can say all you want, I love him, but are you obeying him? Because the real test to biblical love is still obedience. If you love me, Jesus said, you'll obey me. You'll do what I've told you to do. Now, if we don't tell others about Christ, we also will be held responsible. In other words, God's going to hold us accountable. And Ezekiel 33 verse 8 says this, If you do not speak out to dissuade him from his ways, that wicked man will die for his sin, and I will hold you accountable for his blood. Friends, bottom line is I don't want to be held accountable for the blood of sinners being on my hands. I want to do, not as a pastor, as a father of Christ, I want to do all I can do and what God's called me to do to make sure that others hear the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so why, why, why do we emphasize this? Because Jesus has commanded us to go. We go because we love him. And because we love him, we obey him. I've said before, I say again, the true greatness of any church is not how many it seats, but how many it sends. How many it sends. Missiologist Oswald J. Smith said this. This is a little cutting, so... Any church that is not seriously involved in helping fulfill the Great Commission has forfeited its biblical right to exist. Amen, Oswald J. Smith. Oswald Chambers said it so clearly, the basis of missionary appeals is not the authority or is the authority of Jesus Christ, not the needs of the heathen. In other words, we go to the ends of the earth. Why? Because he is the one who has been given all authority and has given that to us. His word is our command. It's a simple command. It's a repeated command. It's a last command. It's an authoritative command. And and it's a doable command. He wouldn't say, go into all the world if it wasn't possible to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Amen. And so missions is not necessarily a denominational idea. The Assemblies of God does not have a corner on missions. Missions is not even a command born out of pity or guilt or even ambition. It is simply a command from our King of Kings and our Lord of Lords. Jesus has commanded us to go. As Keith Green sang, it should be the exception if we stay. And then he goes on in his song, it's no wonder we're moving so slow when God's children refuse to obey, feeling so called to stay. See, the fact that the Lord's commission was recorded in all four gospel accounts and the book of Acts should impress Christians and Christianity to truly accept the great commission as the marching orders of the church. You know something? It's not somebody else's responsibility. It's my responsibility. It's your responsibility. It's our responsibility. 
And the word of God still says, God is not willing that any should perish. God is not willing that people go to hell. God wants to save lost people. And so why do we have a missions convention? Because Jesus commands us to go. Secondly, we, we emphasize missions. We'll be taking up a faith promise next week because, number two, the harvest is truly great. The harvest is great. Now, growing up in Iowa, it really helped me get acquainted with the work of the harvest. I know we have some farmers here this morning. God bless our farmers. God bless you for feeding not just this nation, but the world. I am thankful for farmers, but farmers know about harvest. I've learned about the critical and the urgent circumstances surrounding the harvest. I've seen the love that a landowner has for their field. I've saw the concern for harvesters, you know, for the weather, the field, the equipment they use. As a teenage boy, I used to walk bean fields in Iowa and get paid because farmers didn't want weeds in their bean fields. I used to detassel corn hard work as a teenage boy. Good payback when, but hard, dirty work, all right? But, but I would see the farmers, I would see their love for the field, the love for the whole thing of farming and the harvest and whatever. But, but, I, but I also saw that farmers would do anything they could to get the harvest in, in the fall before winter came. See, all these things reminded me that the Holy Spirit uses the allegory of grain harvest to illustrate His plan for reaching the world for Christ. Do you realize today that the only prayer request that Jesus left with the church concerned the harvest? He said, pray ye the Lord of the harvest to send forth workers, laborers into his harvest field. Friends, once again, the need is great, so great that Jesus left you and I with a prayer request to make sure we're praying for laborers, we're praying for workers. In Matthew 9, 37, Jesus says, the harvest is plentiful. But the workers are few. Therefore pray, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. Or John chapter 4, verse 35. Do not say four more months and then the harvest. I tell you, Jesus said, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe. Church, I am telling you, the fields are ripe today. The fields are ripe in America. The fields are ripe in various continents, in various countries. People are ready. People need to simply be told. Amen. Amen. The success of missions is not what's in the barn, but what's left in the field. This is why we've been given the wonderful gift of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. The word Pentecost equates harvest. To be a Pentecostal is to be a harvester, is to be a missionary. In other words, you cannot be a Pentecostal Christian and not be involved in missions. We can't be a Pentecostal church and not support missionaries. And yet, to our shame, over half, nearly 50% of our Assemblies of God churches give nothing to missions. God help that church. And I have to ask, Pastor, what are you doing? How are you leading? Because surely 
the pastor should lead by example. I will not ask you, and I shared this yesterday in our membership class, I will not ask you to give a faith promise if I don't give a faith promise. Same with tithing. You know, we lead by, by example. And I thought 50% of our Assembly of God churches in America give nothing. Surely, here, pastor, here's $5, give something. You know, um, the devil loves zeros, by the way. Do you hear that? The devil loves zeros. All right. Uh, let's beat him at his own game and go way above and beyond. Anyway, so I, I really believe because we give nothing, we have an obedience problem, and we have an obedience problem because we have a love problem. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be, Jesus says, and you will be my witnesses. The word for witness there is literally martyr. You shall be my martyr. The one who literally lays down their life for the sake of Christ, for the sake of the gospel. You'll be my witnesses, martyrs in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, to the ends even even to the remotest parts of the earth. Friends, we have been empowered by the Holy Spirit. We've been empowered for a purpose, and that purpose is souls. We, we haven't been baptized in the Holy Ghost so we can get the, the Holy Ghost doodads on the back of our neck or feel good about our arms tingling or whatever. No, that's all wonderful. It's blessed and everything else. But the reason God fills us with the Holy Ghost is that he empowers us to be his witnesses. That's what it's about. Again, missiologist Oswald J. Smith said this. He says, no one has a right to hear the gospel twice while there remains someone who has not heard it once. He said the mission of the church is missions. Amen. All right. That's why we're here. It's about people. Now, I, I, I shared this about a month ago as well, and it was Dr. Michael Brown's article uh, from January 31. This is a, I can send it to you if you want a copy of the whole thing. But the, 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 it's titled, The End of the World is Coming Just Not Yet. And we do differ a little bit on uh, um, end time events and whatever, so we'll just leave it there. But he says, I like what he says, Scripturally, I see that much work still needs to be done before the Lord returns, most obviously when it comes to the Great Commission. After all, if there is going to be a multitude of believers, he writes, that no one can number from every nation, tribe, people, and language, Revelation, then it would follow that the gospel must go to every nation, tribe, people, and language. At present, check this out, there are still over five thousand languages that do not have a full copy of the Bible, while about half of all languages do not have any portion of the scriptures at all. And while it is true that these existing translations can potentially reach more than 95% of the world's population, there is still much more work to do and uh, to, get, uh, to get to the rest of the people. More urgently, he writes... The Joshua Project asks this question. So how many of the approximately 17,400 ethnic people groups are considered unreached, i.e. less than 2% Christ follower and less than 5% professing Christian? 
The answer is that the latest estimates suggest that approximately 7,400 people groups are considered unreached today. That means over 40% of the world's people groups have no indigenous community of believing Christians able to evangelize the rest of their people group. Over 42% of the world's population lives in these over 7,400 people groups. And these are, and he says, and there are these, quote, sobering facts about just 50, 50 of the largest unreached people groups. So of the 50 largest of the 7,400, of all 50 of these people groups have less than 2% Christ followers. Individuals in these groups may have very limited, if any, access to the gospel. These 50 unreached people groups are comprised of, here's the number, 1.48 billion souls. One in five people on earth live in these 50 unreached peoples. Every group is larger than 10 million people in population. None have an indigenous church capable of taking the gospel to the entire group. The primary religion of these 50 groups of the 7,400, 26 are Muslim, 17 Hindu, 5 Buddhist, 1 ethnic religion, and 1 non-religious. All these 50 largest unreached people groups are in the 1040 window. 47 of them of the 50 are in sensitive countries. Again, and I, I end the article. Again, my, Dr. Michael Brown writes, things could explode overnight exponentially and hundreds of millions of unreached people could suddenly have access to the gospel. But for sure, that has not happened so far and this is just one indication that while the end may be near, it is not yet. That being said, he writes... Let's roll up our sleeves afresh. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of work to be done, and the world harvest has never been more ripe. To that I say, amen, Dr. Michael Brown. Jesus said it this way in Matthew 24, 1 through 14. He left the temple. He was walking away when his disciples came up to him to call his attention to the buildings. And Jesus says, do you see all these things? He says, I tell you the truth, not one stone here will be left on another. Every one will be thrown down. And as Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen? And what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? And Jesus answered, Matthew 24, 4. Watch out that no one deceives you. There will be end time deception. For many will come in my name claiming I am the Christ and they will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars. But see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen but, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation, the kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. And Jesus says, all these are the beginning of birth pains. 
Then Jesus says, you'll be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you'll be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will flee or turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. Then we come to the 13 and 14 verses here. But, he says, he who stands firm to the end will be saved. Here's the verse I want to highlight. Verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then, and then the end will come. And then the end will come. When will the end come? When the gospel is preached to all nations as a testimony to all nations. What am I saying this morning? I'm simply saying this. The sooner you and I can get the gospel message out to people in this world, the sooner his return. Amen? Amen? Friends, we are commanded to go and the harvest is great. Thirdly, We go, we have missions, we have missionaries, we support them, we make faith promises because the time is short. Jesus put it this way, as long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. But then Jesus says, night is coming when no one can work. Do we realize that night is coming? Do we realize That today is the day of salvation. Now is the time. This is the year of the favor of the Lord. One of the saddest verses in the Bible is Jeremiah chapter 8 verse 20. And it says this. The harvest is past. The summer has ended. And we are not saved. See, we don't know when the last altar call will be given. We don't know when the last name will be written in the book of life. I, for one, as I shared a few weeks ago on February 19, I, for one, am glad that Jesus Christ didn't come back for his bride on February 19 of 1983 because my name was not written in his book on that date. It was the next day. So we don't know when the last name is going to be written in this book of life. But I can tell you one thing today. It hasn't happened yet. Why? Because God is still on a throne of mercy and a throne of grace. But one day, his mercy, one day, his grace is going to be cut off forever and ever and ever. Amen. Therefore, as Jesus says, go out into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. Urgency was called for. Once again, Jesus Christ is coming again. Do we believe that? Do we believe it? And if we believe it, what are we doing in light of eternity? Going back to Matthew 24, 14. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations and then the end will come. 
I submit to the church this morning. The reason Jesus Christ has not come back yet for his church is because there are still people who need to be reached with the gospel. Amen. How many of you have family members right now that are not ready for eternity? Amen. Most hands go up. See, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. And I thought, you know, church, if we really, as, as individuals, as a church, if we understood in, in the true measure of it, the nature of sin and the penalty of sin and the wrath of God that our sin deserves, and then if we truly understood grace and mercy and God's love for humanity, I think how different would our lives be lived? How different would our lives be if we really understood that this is for keeps, it's for eternity? May God help us today to understand and to do what he's told us to do. That's why I personally support and promote missions because only Jesus is worthy. With his blood, he purchased men for God from every tribe, language, people, and nation. Only Jesus is worthy. And so here's what I want us to do this week. Be in prayer as to what God would have you do in this next year regarding missions and world evangelization. You got a letter in the mail last week, and in that letter there was a brochure, and there is also a, a faith promise card. I know some of you have filled that out already, and I put that in the offering. Maybe you won't be here next week. Thanks for that. But basically, be in, be in prayer as to what God would have you do regarding faith promise giving for the next year. I heard a missionary years ago that said this, if we stay, we pray, and we pay. If we stay, we pray, and we pay. That's our job. They are sent because we send them. Missionary William Carey said this, I will go down to the pits if you'll hold the rope. One rope is prayer, one rope is financial assistance. We hold the ropes. Let me close this morning by sharing with you just a little bit about faith promise giving. Maybe it's new for you. A major reason why the Assemblies of God was formed back in 1914 was to coordinate the support of missionaries around the world. As I mentioned, this gospel shall be preached around the world and then the end shall come. And so faith promise giving makes this possible. God not only calls missionaries and people to serve as missionaries throughout the world, but they are only able to fulfill that call because God also calls you and me to support missionaries. And once again, I applaud you and your step of faith because this past year, last year, we had missionaries that came in and we were able to give them the biggest offerings we've ever given to a missionary. I guarantee, I shouldn't tell you all this, but I guarantee if a missionary comes in, regardless of what you give, they will leave here with a $1,000 check. I like blessing missionaries. Anything above and beyond that, we also send them. And so if, if usually years ago, in the last few years, we'd get six, seven, eight hundred dollars in, we'd give them a thousand, and, and anything above that. Well, we were able to call the missionaries on Monday and say, hey, guess what? 
through online giving, through your giving, we're able to do this. I don't understand it, but it's the best offering we had. Hallelujah, you know. And I, I love doing that. But God has given us the privilege to support missionaries. And I love doing that. Now, a faith promise is not our tithe or a portion of our tithe. Our tithe, the first tenth of our income, is the Lord's, and it belongs in the local church. A faith promise is beyond our tithe. It is a sacred act, a spiritual agreement with God, where we, simple, <clears throat> we simply commit to God to give on a regular basis to support missions and help fulfill God's plan to reach a lost world. Now, a biblical foundation for faith promise giving and the principle of faith giving, faith promise giving, is found in 1 Corinthians 8 and 9, where we can read about the believers in these churches uh, giving in a couple of ways they gave, it says, according to their ability, but they also gave beyond their ability. Giving according to your ability is still giving by faith. You're saying, I am giving. I am taking a step of faith here. I'm, I'm going to give that, and I'm going to believe God for the harvest of souls. But, but Paul also said the Macedonian Christians gave, it says, beyond their ability. Well, how in the world does a person give beyond their ability? Well, it's pretty simple. God gets involved in our personal finances. I have found out over the years in our own lives, God gives much more through us than he gives to us. Did you hear that? God will give much more through you than he gives to you. God provides sufficiency in everything so that believers may have an abundance for every good deed. A faith, a faith promise is not a pledge. It's, a pledge is what you can do, what your budget allows. A faith promise is what you're believing God wants to do through you. And as I said, God gives much more through us than he gives to us. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 9, 10, and 11, Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge your harvest of your righteousness. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. Notice here, what God multiplies is not our bread for food, but God multiplies our seed for sowing. He increases not what we consume. He supernaturally increases what we give away. And so his word is true. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, but whoever sows generously will also reap generously. And so making a faith promise is simply a sacred act, a spiritual agreement between you and God and saying, God, I am believing you for this. This is what I'm trusting you for. And, and, and may I also add, uh, just when you make that faith promise, uh, pay attention maybe to an extra check you're going to get in the mail. You know, God's going to supply it somehow. And you're not going to be expecting it. It might even be your tax return that you didn't expect nothing, and all of a sudden you're getting back $2,000 this year. I mean, I whatever. See, God blesses us so we can be a blessing. Don't let it stick, all right, in, in your pocket, but be a giver in that way. And so a faith promise is simply a way that we participate in the Great Commission. And I believe that as we do our part in missions, God's going to do his part. God's still calling people. The university revival right now, I believe God's calling young people to set apart their lives unto him because there will be an end time harvest. 
There will be, I said, an end time harvest. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all come to repentance. We even see this in Revelation where God's extreme mercy on display, even through his judgments, calling out to mankind to repent and to turn to him. That's God's heart, even to the end of times. Church, the value you and I put on the lost will be determined by the sacrifice you and I are willing to make to seek them until they are found. What am I saying? He is worthy. Jesus Christ in Christ alone is worthy. Why? Because with the blood of His Son, Jesus purchased men for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. All I got to say is, worthy is the Lamb. Only Christ only Christ is worthy. Let's all stand to our feet. This week, be in prayer, saying, God, what do you want me to do? There's a great message that is available on our church website from Dan Betzer, why some churches are blessed. He preached it years ago at the Southern Missouri District Council. Uh, it's one of my favorite messages. One of the things he says is, as you fill out your faith promise card, he says, does that amount make you nervous? He says it ought to, all right? Why? Because you're stepping out in faith. You're stepping out in faith. Unless God comes through, I don't know how it's going to happen, but I'm here to testify. Ever since I've been in Bible college, I've been doing this since 1988, or actually 84 when I started college, but I've been doing this for, for years and years and years. It's simply a way that we can get involved in the harvest. So, Father, I pray. We've heard your word. Now help us to be doers of your word. Speak to your people. Speak to our hearts this coming week. As we receive these next week, as we receive an offering for Botswana next week, God, I pray that you would bless your people so much so that they would in turn be a blessing, God, not just to the District of Arizona or the missionaries here in America or throughout the world, but specifically, God, may you build your church in Botswana. God, may we raise funds and partner with other churches that will see wells being dug and, and land being purchased and tabernacles going up, all that we had a hand in. So, God, I, th I thank you for this wonderful opportunity. I thank you for our leadership and for our leadership's heart to join in and to believe you for over a half million dollars for Botswana and the gospel being preached among the nations. As we sang this morning, God, let your glory fall, God, in our lives, but God, may it go forth to the nations as well. God, may you bless your people. May they be a blessing in turn. And God, may we see big increases even this year over 2022 of what you did. To you be the glory and honor and praise in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. One final thing. If you've come this morning and do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then today is your day of salvation. God's kindness leads us to repentance. If you don't know Christ and, you're, and you want to, you realize, you know, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I want to pray for you. I want to pray with you. I'll be available at the altar. But, but don't leave this place without getting right with God. Don't leave this place without repenting of your sin and getting right with God. It'd be, I'd be amiss this morning if I didn't offer you know, a, a salvation message after preaching on reaching the world for Christ because it begins right here. And so if you come and, and are not right with God, there's sin in your life, friends, get the sin out. 
You can't keep the sin in and gain the Savior. You must repent of your sin and get right with God. Other than that, God bless you all. Thank you for coming today. This coming Saturday, Missions Banquet, 5 o'clock. If you don't know what to cook, there's some recipes available back there. Make just what you like to make for, you know, feed a bunch of people. But other than that, God bless you all. Hope to see you Saturday night. Next Sunday, Pastor Steve Harris, our district superintendent, will be with us for our Faith Promise Sunday, our missions convention. God bless you. Have a great week in the Lord. Amen. Amen.